0: Hello, and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions podcast. I'm Dan Eiton, and I'm here as always with our co-host, Todd Adkins. What? And uh, today we're joined by Rusty George, who is the lead pastor at Real Life Church, which is a multi-site church in Southern California. Uh, Rusty's also a global speaker, a leader, and teacher focusing on making real life simple. Rusty's also written several books and can be heard weekly on his podcast, Leading Simple. Rusty's super glad to have you today. Also, fun fact about Rusty is that he is a massive Chiefs fan. So this we've recorded this before the Super Bowl. I don't know if it'll come out before or after, but Rusty, I- I'm assuming you're putting your money on the Chiefs winning this?
1: Um, I'm, a, I'm a typical Chiefs fan. I grew up through the 80s and 90s and we were terrible. So I just assume we're always going to lose. <laughs> so I don't know. It, it, we have Pat Mahomes, so I feel really good, but I don't know. Well, at least well, you have We'll, uh, expectations. we'll see. expectations.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> Super grateful to have you on the podcast today. Well, thanks for
2: having me. Well, I want to hop right in. We're mutual friends of Brad Lominick and a couple other people um, just getting to know you before we started. This is such an important question. It's my favorite question. Uh, who are you currently
1: learning from? Well, besides Brad Lominick, who we all learn from, (laughs) uh, and besides this podcast, uh, I I do love that question. Um, And I kind of grouped it into like three categories. One, I learn a lot from pastors. I still, even though I'm in my 50s now, I still feel like I'm sitting at the the kids table at Thanksgiving watching the grownups eat because there are just so many great guys out there that have done such great work for years. Guys like Gene Apple out here in California, uh, near me, Larry Osborne, uh, but, but a, a name that a lot of people don't know, at least on, on this side of the country where I live, is a guy by the name of James Emery White. Uh, he leads a church called Mecklenburg Community Church. He has a, a podcast and a blog called Church and Culture. The dude is brilliant and he's a great communicator as well. Usually brilliant people are better at, you know, school (laughs) and teaching, but this guy's a great uh, builder of a church and pastor. And I just, I learn a ton from him. Devotionally speaking, there's a book out that I've been rereading and giving it out to people called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. The only time Jesus talks about his own heart is in this passage where he says, you know, come to me, you who are weary, Uh, I am gentle and humble or lowly. And that's what this whole book is about, the heart of Jesus. It's great. Uh, And then leadership wise, Dan Ryland's been a, a leader for all of us for many, many years. But his latest devotional called Leadership Alone Isn't Enough is just stellar. So those those three areas are really being fueled by those those content providers right now.
2: Uh, I'm going to deviate from our standard and I'm going to ask you because I liked your answer. So when you give me an answer I like, I'm going to ask you a deeper (laughs) question. What are some of the books if you went back and, you know, you you went back, what are some of the foundational books that you would say, hey, man, that was a, a milestone, a marker, a shift
1: in my thinking? What are some of
2: those that would come to mind?
1: I love that question. Uh, I remember when I was in Bible college, uh, hearing a professor of mine talk about when he would box up his books, he would get misty-eyed thinking about what those books had taught him. And I mm. thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and now now when I move my library around or move books around or whatever, I, I, I understand it because you think, man, that guy really pastored me through this moment. And he didn't even know me. Hmm. I mean, everything by Eugene Peterson, I read, actually, I listened to a book, Pastor by Peterson, a few years ago on my study break, and that was just water to my soul. I'm a big Henry Nouwen fan. Uh, One of his books that often gets overlooked is the Genesis Diary. I just think that's when everything began to click for him about just servant leadership, uh, and I love that book. There was a book by a guy named Paul Miller called uh, The Praying Life, Which was huge for me. You know, those are some of the uh, the devotional works. Oh, Life Without Lack by Dallas Willard. Uh, Oh my goodness, that that was incredible. But then I think about just some leadership books that have been huge. I mean, obviously the Jim Collins stuff. But I'm really high on a book right now that's beginning to get some publicity called The Beautiful Constraint, uh, which is the um, the wisdom. Are you with me? (laughs) Hey,
2: I did an entire course. The very first thing I did in COVID. Very first thing I did in COVID um, was like blow up Beautiful Constraint and put it into a course. And I think like seven of the nine sessions were directly from Beautiful Constraint. Every church needs that. Every nonprofit,
1: every business needs to read a Beautiful Constraint. It's mind-blowing the value of putting constraints on your brainstorming because we've all been taught, hey, what could you do if you had no budget and, you know, but that doesn't help you. Uh, this this was great. I found it very, very practical. I loved it.
2: So there's a couple tools in there that I, I really love and have used over and over and over again. One of those is the We Can If Map. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. we can, if map is basically a wheel, uh, like picture a wagon wheel with spokes coming off of it. And there are nine questions that are almost formulaic that you can walk people through. And so it's, you know, when people say, cause a third of your people are always going to be like sticks in the mud and have, you know, caveats of reasons why we can't do this. Oh, we can't do this because, and your weekend if map is what you walk them through to say, Oh, but we can, if we substitute x for y or you know you kind of go through the formula and i guarantee you one of those is going to hit man i love that book and i like you even more now
0: (laughs) because you're the first person
2: (laughs) you're the first person i've ever heard mention that book
1: so I have I'm surprised how few people know about it and I I, it's come up you know when I when I host my podcast I talk about it with people and they they often have never heard about it Eric Geiger was one of the early adopters of that book you know who told Uh, him to read that book don't you Oh, was that you? He was at my wedding.
2: <laughs> okay. So that, that that's where he got it. And, that um, is where he it got all, it. it all traces back
1: to you and your wife.
2: <laughs> um, we're we're still great friends. And he, he actually used to co host this podcast, I don't know, five years ago. I've been through like five yeah, different co hosts. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, and we always talk books. so I know
1: now I know another person that I can I can get, talk books with. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love talking about books. I, I don't know. I, and I'm a big avid reader of sports books, too. I usually learn a lot from coaches, and I love NBA books, uh, especially from the 80s and 90s. But I'm reading Gunslinger right now about Brett Favre. Oh, that's just fascinating. Hmm.
0: That's that's might be where you lost Todd is the sports books. Yeah. <laughs> you might have lost them there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, we were on a roll there. I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of a one trick pony.
2: I've got uh,
1: Minnesota, so
2: we can go history. Um, We can go like blockchain, animal husbandry, farming things, and then and
1: then leadership. That's like the only things I know. Okay, Uh, history I can get into. What was the book I read a few years ago? The History of Time or the History of the World or whatever. That was a great read.
0: Well, we'll, let's let's go on to our second question here, because I feel like you guys can probably talk about books all day. Um, But our second question for you is, is what is what's the main point of emphasis for your leadership team or for yourself right now?
1: You know, uh, for our church, uh, we have decided to double down on church planting. I think we got very enamored with uh, multi-site for the last decade pre-COVID, and it had some fruit. But for us, just personally, where we are in California, multi-site for us has not done well, but church plants have done exceptionally well. Hmm. So we're just going to put all of our resources behind that. We just did a capital campaign to raise money for church planning. Uh, We're looking for church planters if people want to go to our website, uh, reallifechurch.org and let us know they're interested in church planning. Uh, We're trying to start 30 churches by the year 2030. Recently had a conversation with our friends up at Bayside. They're trying to do 80 churches uh, in California. Uh, And these are all in California. We're trying to launch churches here because we just feel like as California goes, so goes the nation, so goes the world. So we're just doubling down on that. So we've restructured our org chart. We've restructured our finances. Everything right now for us is just focused on church planning. So that's where we are. Personally speaking, (laughs) our church has been through a lot of tragedy in the last decade, from staff members' suicide to mortal failures to a school shooting in our community. Even just the death of Kobe Bryant kind of rocked our, our state. And how do you pastor people through a time when you honor a hero that's really not all that honorable? Just hmm. difficult things like that, that we had to deal with as a staff. We've all had people leave our church. We had a, an insurrection that tried to happen that didn't. And all that stuff. So we we put it into a teaching course called "Leading Through Crisis Without Becoming One." And I find I, I'm talking to a lot of pastors right now about just how to how to not blow up their church every time a crisis comes around. How do we lead through it? What what's a big thing to deal with, and what's a small thing that'll be over in two weeks? That seems to be a lot of what pastors are really facing now. You know, is this really something I need to spend a lot of time on? So. We're really leveraging that to help out our, our church planters and pastors and and all that resources found at my website, PastorRustyGeorge.com.
0: That's encouraging to hear. And as a church planter myself, I'm, I, I love that you guys have that heart for that. Uh, are you guys taking some of your current campuses and rolling them off as church plants or are you just doing additional church plants on top?
1: That's a great question. Uh, We're actually having that conversation about our our campuses. And what's interesting about our our campuses, one was another church's multi-site that failed that we picked up and are helping out, but we think we can spin it into a church plant. Hmm. So most of these are brand new, but some of these will be campuses that become their own entity.
2: So what are two or three things that you find you need to do daily or at least on a very regular basis to stay sharp as a
1: leader? Well, the obvious answer is spending time with God. So I'll just get that out of the way. That's a given. But I tell you what has been really helpful for me is I'm a big fan of uh, Michael Hyatt and the the full focus planner. So that's kind of a sacred moment for me on Sunday night. I'll sit down with my planner and I'll plan out the next week based upon my six objectives for the the quarter or the year. Get everything on my calendar. I mean, I'm an old Stephen Covey fan as well, so I love that kind of stuff. So once I get that all written down, now I've got a game plan for the week. So now I know my message is going to be written and I'm several weeks ahead. I've got time for writing, blogging, podcasting, or whatever. I know my areas of the day when I can do meetings and I know the areas of the day when I'm going to respond to email, which used to be 24-7, not anymore. So that little practice there brings me a great amount of joy. In fact, just a few weeks ago, on Sunday, I realized I left my planner at the office and I was home already, and I just said to my wife, I am not going to sleep well tonight unless I go back to the office, get the planner, bring it home, and sit down while watching Sunday night football and do my planner for this week. You know, It's just become this habit for me that's been really life-giving. The other thing that's a little weird, and I learned this years ago from another pastor, and that is have a clear finish line to the day. So, you know, I just know, at the, and I'll put this in my planner, when am I done? When's my finish line? And then what I'll do is I drive uh, to a gym, I'll exercise and listen to a sports podcast. You know, it has nothing to do with uh, church or my soul or anything like that, but yet it feeds my soul because it's disconnecting. Mm. And then when I get home, I feel like I'm, I'm relaxed, I'm ready for family, I'm ready for, you know, whatever my wife has planned for me. Uh, I don't really sit around and read leadership or business or ministry books at night. That's when I read sports books or uh, something entirely different just to take my mind off of ministry. And then I feel like I'm refreshed for the morning. So those two practices, I feel like if I do that, then I get to bring my best during the workday.
2: So I feel like I can ask you this question. In a different way, because you're you're a, a leadership guy like <laughs> so you, you're going to have a good take on this. I find it's often difficult for people once they hear a methodology and they begin to adopt a strategy. So there's plenty of people that have gotten that planner yet. They don't put structure and systems in place. They stop at strategy. Hey, I buy I bought into the story of this and what my life can be like. I buy into the strategy of this. This is it makes sense that this is how I'll accomplish things. But they don't then apply structure and systems in order to execute that. How have you done that successfully?
1: I had to give up on I had to do it exactly like Michael Hyatt does it. For instance, if you watch the video on how to do the planner, man, it's exhaustive. There's a lot of stuff to do. And his advice is do it this way for one month and then cultivate it or curate it, you know, as to what what fits you. So I did that and then I kind of made it my own and then I stayed with it. I, and I, I don't know, I, I'm a rather disciplined person, so maybe it comes easier for me. But I always always found that there's always a new strategy out there. There's always a new idea out there, so just stick with one for at least maybe six weeks to three months, ninety days or so. And if it's not working for you, then try something else. But you got to give it a go uh, in order to see if it's if it's going to work. And you know, strategies only work if you if you actually put the effort in. So just making that, I, I think the to answer your question, Todd, I think the problem that all of us leaders get into is we read too much, we consume too much content. And then we just run towards shi- the shiny things, right? Uh, oh, this looks cool. This guy's doing it. He's having success. Here's what Furtick's doing. Here's what Michael Hyatt's doing. Pick one thing that's kind of in your lane as to maybe what your personality is or your Enneagram is or whatever you want to go with. And then just stick with it for a while and begin to see if it's a, like Jim Collins says, the flywheel thing. It begins to, to take a little bit of a, of a positive spin for you.
0: I've also seen yeah. sometimes where a leader has changed their their minds uh, or they change their strategies and things so quickly that it gives those that they're leading whiplash that they like can't follow. Hey, where's this person going? Because um, they're tracking all these different books and, and theories and stuff. So I like that advice of you know stick with something for a
1: while and see if that works for you. Well, and as a uh, as a serial changer of strategies, my team has lovingly said to me, we cannot keep up. So pick a book and stick with it for a period of time. And that's why I, I, you know, recently I adopted beautiful constraints Said, all right, this is what we're going to go with rather than, Oh, here's a new way. Or this week we're going to, you know, we're going to lead by painting or we're going to sit around and chant or whatever it is (laughs) just to come up with one thing and drill down on it and stick with it. And then after, you know, 90 days or so, you're gonna know if it's if it's got traction or if it feels right, then you can make some, some shifts there.
2: If you looked at our version of the pipeline, because everybody listening to this has heard some version or another of leadership pipeline. But if you look at the way that, that we do it, it really comes out of McKinsey's 7S framework for a reason, because people will get the story and the strategy down But then the structure and systems start to affect the everyday and they never make it fully around to everything else. But if you tackle them in that order, I don't care what it is. It's a beautiful thing to apply
0: to almost anything you're doing. The McKinsey 7S framework. I love that. So, Rusty, you talked a little bit about, you know, stopping work at a certain time, going and doing, you know, exercise, listening to some sports podcasts, but um, continuing on
1: as you go home, what does leadership look like in your own home life? Well, usually when I get home, my wife and kids kneel before me and say, the hero has returned. No, it's, uh, you know, obviously it changes. You know, I've got a daughter in college and a daughter who wishes she was in college. So it really is a lot of me and my wife and our our pets. But what I have noticed is as my kids have gotten older, it, it really is a lot more coaching and it's a lot more question asking. You know, what do you think about that? Well, is that a, you know, as Andy says, uh, is that a wise thing to do? Where's that going to take you? Uh, you know, for instance, uh, you know, my daughter calls from college yesterday and says, I think I want to spend the summer in the Jordan as a librarian. Okay, well, that's great, but is that going to help you with your career path? And let's, let's make some decisions along that rather than a, no, you, there's no way you're going over there. So I, I think a lot of it is just helping them process stuff, asking more questions, setting up dates with them because their schedule is sometimes busier than mine. Leadership with my wife obviously is kind of a, a co-leadership thing, but I find that uh, a lot of it is about just praying about where our biggest impact is as empty nesters, what that's gonna look like for us, how we wanna leverage our time, uh, impact with neighbors, with our small group, those kind of things. And then there's the, there's the thing that I happened into, and that is the, the servant leadership thing that obviously Jesus tells us to do, but many of us are kind of a little bit slow on that one. My wife is an interior decorator, and she typically does her installs, as she calls them, on a Friday, which is my day off. I have decided I will be her handyman on that day. Is that my favorite thing to do on my day off? No, but I have found when I put myself in a position where I don't have to make any decision, she's the resident expert. She just tells me where to hang stuff and what to do. There's something about that that is is freeing for me and allows me to be led which allows me to lead better. And it's obviously great for my marriage too. But I don't know, I happened into that one and I found tremendous joy in that. Plus, there's that whole adage, if you work with your mind, you relax with your hands. And in that moment where I'm just, you know, I don't have to think much, I just do as I'm told, uh, it is a pretty relaxing thing.
2: So how has that changed over the years from when your children were younger to now,
1: both your relationship with them and your relationship with your, your wife? Well, when they were younger, it was a lot more instruction and boundaries. And, you know, I think every year they got a little bit older, the boundaries expanded a little bit. There was a lot of negotiation on dating and phone time and all those kind of things. I feel like we're we're getting out of that now. Uh, with my wife, it was a lot of, you know, what time will you be home? How are we going to lead through this together? You go through the whole couch time phase of, you know, spending time together But just making sure that you have the dates and the the weekends away and that kind of stuff uh has been huge Uh, i think the biggest leadership decision that we made as a couple was deciding to move to california i was at a church in kentucky and we had our first child and then we decided 20 years ago to move out to california which was crazy according to our families but we just felt like that's where god was calling us to go um so i i think you know from the get-go we were always deciding things together and and figuring out how we're going to lead through this as a couple. Uh, And I think that hasn't changed. Okay.
2: So last question, maybe last question. What would you tell your 20 year old self right now? If you could go back and, and, and talk to him, what advice
1: would you give him? What would you encourage him to do? I wish I would have learned years ago. There is no silver bullet. I think I spent so many years reading books, going to conferences, interviewing pastors, looking for the one thing that makes churches grow. And it really is about context. It's about gifting. It's about right person, right place, right time. And it's different for everybody. And so I would spend years in Kentucky trying to adopt models from Seattle, and that didn't work. Or I would spend years in California trying to adopt models from Kentucky, and that didn't work. And the notion that there's a silver bullet that works for everybody, it's just ridiculous. So back to something we talked about earlier, what I wish I would have known early on was, pick a lane, stay in it for 18 months, then evaluate. That would have been so freeing. But I just found myself just chasing uh, you know, the latest ministry trends or the latest thing that came out on Outreach Magazine or at the last summit conference or whatever, as opposed to this is who we are, this is where we are, this is what's reaching the person we're trying to reach, let's go for it, double down on it for 18 months, evaluate and make tweaks as we go. Good deal.
0: Well, yeah, Rusty, thank you so much for for joining the podcast today. We're uh, super grateful. And if if you enjoyed our conversation with Rusty, uh, he can be heard weekly on his own podcast, which is Leading Simple. So check that out. And again, Rusty, thanks for joining us. Hope the rest of you guys can join us for future episodes of 5 Leadership Questions.